My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three podcast. I am here today with, of course, Jason McMaster. Hey, Jason, let's hear a little bit of you first, because I think we have this week a very special innovation on the podcast, as well as a cool guest we'll get to in a moment. But, Jason, I want to hear you talk for a minute now that we've finally figured out how to do your mic. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So, hey, there we go. <laughs> you, Jason, you didn't say, like, make sentences. That's <laughs> a fair point. You, you got me on that. Uh, all right, uh, in, in addition to uh, Tom Chick and Jason McMaster, you get an extra special treat this week because we have with us live reporting from Oregon, Brad Grins. Hello, Brad, and thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, guys. What is life like in Oregon right now? It's uh, it's pretty nice. It's fairly warm, but beautiful out. Come on, there's got to be some. What's going on? What's what sucks about Oregon? Tell us right now. What sucks about Oregon? Yeah, I, I like the job market. Do you have a job? You mentioned waiting to get a particular game for when you got your next paycheck. So I'm assuming you were fortunate enough to have a job at this point. <laughs> I'm I'm what they call underemployed. Which is to say I work some, but like not as much as I'd like to be working. It's like a stopgap job kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I graduated from college in 2008, so right into the like right at the worst time possible oh, yeah. to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of been you know looking for a good full-time job since then, but in the meantime, I've been doing some kind of web design work. To make ends meet. Brad, have you considered just like taking off and backpacking around Europe for maybe a year or so? No, I have not considered that at all, mostly because I have a bad back and I Ah. can't afford to get to Europe. Tell you what, if you pay my way, if you somehow get the funds to pay my way, I will carry your backpack for you. Okay, that would that would that would help things a lot. Okay, just keep that in mind. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, McMaster might come as well. We could actually probably McMaster, are you on board with us? Because you know Germany. You were recently I in do. Germany. You can speak to the German people on our behalf. Like like when Christopher Columbus came to the New World, he had to get local guides. When we get to the German part of our backpacking expedition, you can be our basically our Sherpa through Germany. Sure, why not? Awesome. Why not? It's a date. <laughs> uh, so, Brad, you uh, you graduated in 2008. So, if I do enough math, that means you're 16. I think. No, not not even close. You're actually twelve. <laughs> no, so you're you're a youngin compared to me and McMaster. Uh, well, I, I I know I'm younger than you, Tom, but uh, I'm actually uh, I'm actually thirty. I went back to college in 2005 after you know working for a number of years out of high school. Uh, so I was I was quite a bit older than the the people I was graduating with in 2008. I had a friend of mine once observe, in all seriousness, like he. He, he actually offered this as if this was an actual serious point that he had pondered. He once said, you know, it seems like everyone I know and hang out with is either older than me or younger than me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just Not the exact same age? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so uh, you're, you're, are you staying in Oregon? Are you looking to get out of Oregon? Well, uh, you know, I, I really like Oregon. This is where my my family is. It's the prettiest state in the nation. 
I actually hear that a lot, and I'm not inclined to disagree. So it's 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 like kind of a hard hard argument to to move. But I you know I have considered. I have a bunch of my friends from college moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. so I've considered that. Uh, you know I I you know I've considered maybe trying to get down to San Francisco, but. It's expensive there. Now you know what you can keep going, keep going south. You know what? Comes yeah, next. All the way to L.A. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm it's cheap in L.A. <laughs> you know what? It's cheaper than San Francisco. If you're going to head that far south, you know what? Forget the Bay Area, just skip over it. Come out to L.A. You can hang out with us. Uh, and well, I sleep on your couch. Yes, you know what? You absolutely can. I have three of them, and the one the cat is not using at any given time is your. I, both of those are yours. So there you go. That would be great. <laughs> uh, what part? What city in Oregon? Let me guess. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess by naming the two cities I know. I'm gonna okay. start with the big one. You are in Portland, Oregon. Yes. No. No. Okay. You are actually I know three. You are in Eugene, Oregon. Nope. Okay. Then you split are the in. What the difference? You know what? I have no idea geographically where they are. I just know their names. So I'm gonna now say I know that there's at least a third city in Oregon. You are in Bend, Oregon. Oh, no. that You went way far afield, and that was off. I don't think there's any other. Spokane. Is that Oregon? No, that's Washington. <laughs> Washington. Yeah. Uh, where in Oregon do you live, Brad? Uh, I'm in Salem. Oh, you know what? Sa- of course. I've heard of Salem. I think. Haven't I? Yeah. Just state capital. Uh, whoa. I never would have guessed that. McMaster, if someone had asked you the capital of Oregon, would you have gotten Salem? Sure. No. <laughs> But um, I'm going to say sure. <laughs> well played. No way to check that. <laughs> That's no. a good point. Uh, and I Brad, can tell you, you now. Yeah, uh, McMaster Trivia Time. Ready? What's the capital of Oregon? Eugene. Mm. Wait, wait. Oh, no. All right, sorry. <laughs> Spokane, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> have to move on. Uh, and Brad, we have known you for, gosh, you've been, I, I just, your name is such a regular fixture on the forum. Uh You've been around for, I'm going to guess, 10 years? Yep. Awesome. You know what I also love? You have a kind of, and I don't mean to be too self-centered about this, but I think you have a kind of a Tom Chick name in that it's if somebody's reading your name, they go through a process. They're like, okay, first name, pretty conventional, pretty normal. Second mm-hmm. name, kind of weird, but kind of right. catchy. I'm going to mm-hmm. remember that. Like I, I think Brad Grins, it scans kind of like Tom Chick. I like it. It's nice, compact, simple, mm-hmm. but a little unusual. Where are your people from? I guess the name is German, supposedly from kind of like the German-Russian border mm-hmm. air regions. Mm-hmm. So when we're all backpacking in Europe and McMaster is leading us as our Sherpa, you can be like the the uh, the you're like returning to your people. Like you'll know those people, you'll know their ways because it's in your DNA. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, that that should that should be exactly what it's like. <laughs> uh, Brad, do you know what we're doing here today? By the way, I think we're celebrating twenty years of Linux. <laughs> Is that true? Yes, twenty years in high gear. Uh, how many years of Windows are we celebrating? I don't we think we celebrate that. Well played. Uh, now, is that – I hope you did not tip your hand for your choice for news story of the week, by the way. With, no, that's okay. not, not a threat. All right. Don't, don't spoil that yet because what we're going to do and what we've asked you to join us for today is a news story of the week, a game of the week, and a forum post of the week. Uh, so are you ready, Brad Grins, to pick one of each of those with us? I believe so. 
All right. So you know what I'm going to do, Brad, since you sort of have the format down? I am going to put you in charge of picking which one we're doing first. Not only that, of also picking the order that we're going in. Okay, I'm confused. Oh, okay. So (laughs) not only does absolute power corrupt absolutely, it apparently confuses as well. Uh, (laughs) Advisors on this. (laughs) You know what? I understand. If if that's part of leadership is asking for advice, so I think you're doing a a heck of a job, Brad. I think Uh, what what I'll do is I will I will choose the category, mm -hmm. and I'm going to delegate the choice. Of who well, goes first. <laughs> well played. Well played. Now, how will you delegate that? Will you make me and McMaster fight it out? Will you appoint one of us? I'm going to delegate that. <laughs> wow. That's true. That's true delegation. Oh, All right. I am impressed. So, All right. So, yeah. Jason, you pick All right. who is going to decide which of us goes first. <laughs> All right. I picked Tom. Oh, <laughs> I've been stripped of power and victimized on this podcast all at once. Uh, yes, yes. All right, so I will be going first. Now, I think, Brad, you did not, uh, I, I would say, shirk your responsibility, but that has a negative connotation. You did not shirk your responsibility of picking which topic we're going to go over first. No, so, of course not. All right, so is it our game of the week, our news story of the week, or our post of the week that we'll be talking about first? Well, I'm from a conservative household, so let's go with news first. Wait, I want to know about this conservative household thing. <laughs> I, th- just, I think I've just... – no, I've seen you faffing about in PNR, and I don't think of you as a conservative fellow. Are you? Uh, not really. I, I think of myself as a centrist. <laughs> But you know what? A centrist in Oregon is like a downright – that's like a hippie. It is. It really is. (laughs) All right. So news story of the week. Uh, I hope I'm not spoiling anyone's news story when I say that I was tempted to pick the fact that Star Wars Connect has been delayed until next year. Because I know know that that's that's heartbreaking to to – Maybe some people on this podcast, to, I don't know. To Bill Abner, it is. I'm, a, I'm sure Bill's <laughs> crying right now. Bill loves his <laughs> He does. Bill Abner cannot get enough Connect. That guy will not shut up talking about how awesome Connect is. I think he really on, will. I think he's being paid by Microsoft. Uh, yeah, I think he is, too. So, But that that's not my news story of the week. Neither is my news story of the week the fact that this Call of Duty con, I think they're calling it Call of Duty XP, which is like a terrible name for like a fan convention. Oh, I kept seeing that, and I thought it was like something you could buy or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like DLC, you would think. It's like DLC yeah. or, or, or the free XP weekend. Um, right. But the Call of Duty con, they're marshalling all this like hardcore talent, such as Kanye West and the Dropkick Murphys. So if you go to this Call of Duty con here in, in L.A. in early September, Kanye West and the Dropkick Murphys will be there. Um but do you have to have prestige to get in the door? Ah, good point. Well played. Wow. Yeah, I have to have they check your gamer tag. Brad, they that, should. that makes me think, Brad, that you play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're on to you. Uh, Not really. Not really. Let me try this hey, one. Uh, do, do you know who the Dropkick Murphys are? I do. Not especially. <laughs> oh, there, Jason McMaster, do you know the Dropkick Murphys? Yeah, they're ska man. Uh, I don't, is that true? That's not ska. Wait a minute. I think you're messing with me. 
<laughs> or is it punk? Uh, I can't remember. It's like serious hardcore punk stuff. I, I didn't know if ska was what the kids are calling punk these days, so I was worried you might have uh, actually been been right. Uh, but no, the Dropkick Murphys are like this like hardcore, drunken Irish punk. Uh, it's great stuff. Uh, it, it, it actually, Kanye West being at this Call of Duty thing, couldn't have, I couldn't have cared less about that. But once they said that the Dropkick Murphys are opening with a show on the first night, I was like, oh, maybe I should... Try to get an assignment. To oh, that's right. I was thinking of flogging Molly. Never mind. Well, you know what? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. At any rate, so that's not my news story of the week either. I, I'm just derailing the whole conversation. I apologize. Here's my news story of the week. This is – I want to read you guys something, and oh. I want you to tell me what you think this is from. It's going to sound like marketing copy. So mm-hmm. what game is this promoting? Okay, you ready? There's. A, I have two paragraphs, so bear with me for a second. The game contains very frequent, unrelenting, and detailed violence accompanied by copious, <sighs> copious blood and gore detail inflicted on zombies and mutant beings. The player can use a variety of weapons, including a crossbow, that causes the zombies slash mutants to explode on impact, as well as handguns, hand cannons, machine guns, miniguns, and assault rifles that may cause decapitations, dismemberment, and blood spray. What's more, the hardcore game mode allows the player to play in a manner that exceeds strong in impact, engaging a headshot-only mode, which results in frequent detailed blood and gore as the zombies and mutants' heads explode into bloody pieces that spread around the environment and onto the screen. Now, hold on, because here's the real kicker. The game also contains an extra mutants mode, which increases the amount of mutants the player must kill to proceed, resulting in an increased intensity and frequency of violence. And in addition, the game contains a baby mutant that jumps onto the screen and explodes into bloody chunks when killed. All right, that is from my news story of the week. What would you think is going on in the stuff that I just read you, either of you? The House of the Dead. Is that what you were going to guess, Brad? No, I was going to say a new Kirby game. <laughs> Very nice. It's like VR and zombies. Kirby epic splatter. Uh <laughs> So you're, you're very right, Jason McMaster. That kind of almost reads like box copy on the back of House of the Dead, Overkill, which is, yeah. getting, uh, I think they're calling it the ex- what, extended edition, director's edition. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of a, an update and a re-release. Yeah. For Didn't the, that come out? No, no, October 25th. Oh, so that's right. House of the Dead Overkill is definitely out for the Wii, but it's a remastered upgrade. Oh, yeah. HD version to support PlayStation Move. It has two new levels. It's got a bunch of new music. Uh, it's out on October 25th for the PlayStation 3. However, the stuff I just read you, although it sounds like marketing copy and it makes me want to play the game, it's the reason that people in Australia maybe won't be able to play the game. So Australia has a fairly, uh, yeah. I guess you could be charitable and say conservative ratings board. Uh, and the game, of course, was submitted by Sega Australia to the ratings board, and it did not pass. It, it did not receive a classification. They basically kicked it back and said, you know, no one under 18 should be allowed to play this. So try again. Make some cuts. Try again. So Australia's probably going to get, you know, green blood or, or whatever. Uh, so I am simultaneously delighted that House of the Dead Overkill upset the Australians, but I'm also a little sad for people who live in Australia, like like our own Crazy Croc. 
You know, Adam Britton lives in Australia. What if he wants to play House of the Dead Overkill on his PS3? He's going to be out of luck or he's going to get a kind of a watered down version. It's a real shame. But he's always got a you know backyard full of alligators to watch tear apart. You know what? You're so right. Yeah, I shouldn't feel bad for him. He's got plenty of like gory enjoyment. (laughs) He has he has the most exciting life of anyone I know. He's the he's the last guy to need House of the Dead overkill. Exactly. (laughs) All right, he needs House of the Dead underkill. (laughs) Very nice, McMaster. Very nice. Uh, So that's my news story of the week. Poor Australia. Uh, I hope you guys can get past this this time of national crisis. Uh, but whatever happens on October 25th, we are going to be playing the the fully violent House of the Dead overkill. Those of you in Australia, uh, our hearts go out to you for whatever you're going to end up with. So uh, there you go. That's my news story of the week. Uh, I think that means, Brad, does Jason go next or do you go next? That's not my department. Very good. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go next. I'll go next. <laughs> All right. What's your news story of the week? Jason McMaster. My news story of the week is Super Monday Night Combat. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah, I played Monday Night Combat. It's pretty super. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, they're releasing a free-to-play version called Super Monday Night Combat, Ooh. which uh, will increase it to five-on-five five, uh, players and new. Uh, you know, you can buy new content. It's kind of they're trying to go for the same League of Legends uh, kind of feel, where you can buy skins and taunts and stuff like that um but it's uh, gonna be free to play and looks like it'll have new maps and uh yeah 5v5 and wait a minute it's all it's already 5v5 isn't it i thought it was uh i thought it was less than that you know mcmaster you've been so busy playing league of legends you can't be bothered to keep up with other games <laughs> what well no actually uh yeah okay so <laughs> uh maybe it is 3v3 i thought it went up to 5v5 I, i'm I could be wrong. I know that we've played it here at the Chick Household 3v3, but I'm pretty sure it does support 5v5. It seemed oh, like okay. it would. It seemed like 3 3v3 was would be too small for that game. Yeah. Well, you, you say yeah. that, Brad, but it has you know it's so based on on the bots, which are kind of like uh, what do you oh, call them? League of Legends. The McMaster? mobs. Are they called mobs in League of Legends? Oh, the robots are called creep. Oh, no, okay. doesn't creep stand still? Like. Is that no. what the, the guys going in the lanes are? Those are creeps? Yeah, little dudes moving towards uh, your base and away from your base. Those are creeps, yeah. That's a nickname for them, I guess. You know, I think they're also called Ska. Oh, they're called Ska? Ska creeps, yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, so anyway, Brad, you say 3v3 might be too few, and that's something that we have to struggle with a lot. I've got six computers here on a, on a LAN, so when we do team games, you can only have three on each team. So what what helps with Monday Night Combat is because it's so based on the creeps or the bots or whatever you want to call them, on helping push that line back and forward, uh, it, it really does work well as 3v3. Okay. Um, uh, so what else? So a free-to-play model, McMaster, Do have they yes. said much about... How exactly, like, will you have to pay to unlock a, a class? Will you get your choice of classes? Like, is there one that's going to be free all the time? Have they said much about that? They've said that there's, they said they'll have a rotation of free characters that'll rotate every couple of weeks or so. Uh, you know, the president, Bob Barry, said that, you, or the company said, literally, you could spend zero dollars and be entertained for a long time. That's really important to us. So, it's another game that they're trying to, yeah, the League of Legends are out of giving people a chance to try things out and not having to actually spend any money, though, of course. I'm sure they'll accept it if you want to. 
Well, good, good for them because I, I think they, they made a great little game. You know, they're, yeah. they're, the guys that did it actually originally were working on Demigod for gas-powered games. They were some of the original creators of Demigod, and then they left early on in the process of Demigod and basically formed Uber Entertainment, and they created sort of Demigod as a shooter. Uh, you know, I like that game, uh, Demigod, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> so what, you're saying a seven on a seven to nine scale? Yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't terrible. I, I really liked the graphics. I liked the way the game looked. It just, it was kind of, it was just not balanced very well. Okay, Jason S. McMaster, no one can accept anything you say because you are a League of Legends fanboy. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I played Demigod first. I got nothing against it. Okay. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, the, after the freaking rook you know tower charge thing just got a little ridiculous Uh aha somebody i see so it sounds like somebody really traumatized you with rook (laughs) well no you shouldn't be able to like build a trail of towers up to like somebody's base okay jason jason s mcmaster i want you to show me on the doll where rook touched you well (laughs) you're gonna need a large doll (laughs) uh brad grins can you know what that means (laughs) Can, can you, Brad, settle this dispute? Thumbs up or thumbs down on Demigod? Oh, I haven't really played enough of it to say. All right, so then we're stuck at a draw. We're at loggerheads. Fair enough. Uh, so uh, you guys have not – so, Brad, you haven't tried Monday Night Combat? Uh, I tried the – I think a demo a long time ago. I, very briefly, though. Now, we did have someone on the forum, a fellow named Aaron Sofair who's part of the Sofair clan. I'm probably screwing up his name. There are several yeah. <laughs> Sofairs on the forum. Uh, Aaron has, has said on the forum that he would not, he's not interested in playing Monday Night Combat because he finds the sort of the jiggly-breasted sports chick uh, offensive. Uh, does that bother either of you two gentlemen? No. Not in the least. Okay. I, I really do think it's very tongue-in-cheek. I think they are intentionally comic booky. I don't think it's like... I don't think they're being in earnest, uh, so I, yeah, it doesn't bother me in the least either. So, you know, and what you it, know boobies. <laughs> well, there you go, of course. But you know what? It makes me wonder. I wonder if the guys at Valve have intentionally avoided putting a female character in Team Fortress Two because they're smart enough to know that it might alienate certain people. Because you know, if there was a, a cartoony chick in Team Fortress Two, she would, of course, probably be, I, I guess, like buxom or have an exposed midriff or whatever and maybe they just like to sidestep the whole potential to to get somebody up in arms about it by just saying you know what we're all dudes it's a sausage fest game uh wait are you telling that the scout is not a girl the scout no you know you know what but brad brad does have a point isn't there some Discussion, not the scout. I don't know Team Fortress Two well enough, but was it the pyro? Exactly, the guy in the the guy in the flame in the Uh, gas mask. I think. Yeah, the secret lady. Now, now is that Brad? Do you know for is that is that canon? That that's a chick? (laughs) No, I don't. I don't know that. (laughs) I think I've seen fan art or something. Oh, you know what? Exactly. So it's like, yeah, with since under the helmet, who knows? Now, I would think you would be able to tell by how he or she walks. No, it's well, you, the, the the you know when you're carrying a a fire you know a, a flamethrower <laughs> it probably changes your gait a little. Good point. Uh, no and, matter your gender. And if you can't tell from that, check uh, check the Adam's apple. That's the other way to to be sure. 
Uh, all right, Jason S. McMaster, your story of the week, uh, Super Monday Night Combat. We're looking forward to that. And as usual, Jason, I'm going to ask you this. When can we play Super Monday Night Combat? Uh, they said in the next several months or so. <laughs> it's a very specific launch window. But you know what? Soon. I thought you were going to tell me 2012. Uh, 2015. Good. No, yeah, no, it's within the next several months, supposedly. All right. Well, I hope Free to Play does well for them. They deserve it. They've got a very good gameplay model. I think. Oh it, yeah, they do. I, like I, think it, I think it would adapt very nicely to a League of Legends style business model. Unlike certain RTSs I've been playing lately, uh, I won't I won't name any names, but it rhymes with Mage of Empires Online. Oh. Uh, uh, which I think does not adapt well to that kind of business model. Like I think, uh, but I would I'm glad to see Super Monday Night Combat trying that. So we wish yeah. them luck. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now, Brad, there is now no two ways about it. You are now in the catbird seat. You must tell us your news story of the week. <laughs> that is that is not a problem. Uh, so we're all big fans of GameStop, right? <laughs> oh, and their oh, and their uh-huh. ethical business practices. I'm glad you're bringing this up. So tell us more. Well, uh, so there was quite quite the uproar yesterday when. Uh, some memos were smuggled out of GameStop about uh, the PC copies of Deus Ex Human Revolution that they were selling. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, unbeknownst to GameStop, each copy included a coupon that lets you register the game on the OnLive streaming service. Mm-hmm. So if you bought a, a physical copy of the PC game, is you could play locally on your computer. You were also able to go to OnLive's website, punch in the code, and get a free copy that you could play streaming on, on any device that, that that service supports. Beautiful. So it's a win-win for everyone involved, right? Exactly. It's like a free copy of the game. You could hand it off to your friend who has a MacBook Air or whatever. But GameStop was, of course, not happy with this arrangement and sent out a, a memo to their employees asking them to open every copy of the game on PC, remove the coupons, throw them away, reseal them, and sell them as new. All right. Now, that those are just the facts. How do you feel about this, Brad Grimms? It doesn't seem right. Okay. On whose part? Like, cause this, there, there's a couple. There are, of course, two sides to this issue. To, uh, who do you think is either in the wrong or most out of line here? Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation because you have, you know, it's it, GameStop is is easy to to vilify in the situation based on their other business practices, which. Lots of people think are harmful to the industry as a whole. Their reliance on unused games, and uh, and they're kind of a pervasive uh, way in which they allow employees to quote you know test games by opening copies, taking them home, playing them, mm-hmm. bring them back, and then selling them as new. Not to mention you know having pre-order bonuses and things like that mm-hmm. disappearing in the back room, you know. And showing up on eBay and that sort of thing, so you know that it's it's easy to kind of get mad about them opening up these these copies and without you know without telling anybody what they're doing. Right, right. But you know, at the same time, it is, does feel like kind of scummy. 
I think you know, kind of the the most interesting part about it is is the way Square Enix has been forced to kind of like toe the line and keep everyone happy as much as they can to say, well, yeah, GameStop's a, you know kind of an important retailer for them, so they can't just say, oh, that that wasn't okay. They have to say, oh, we still like you because we want you to keep stocking our future games. So we're totally cool about this. The whole dynamics of the the sort of where retail fits into the the distribution structure really like this does highlight how they kind of hold all the cards in, in a way. Uh, and, and you know what? I f retail. Like uh, I'm with you guys, and I know Jason McMaster will have more to say about Gamespot on the front page of the the forum soon. Uh, but uh, but however, I want to come down. Uh, Brad, on behalf of GameStop here, in that uh, I think Square Enix has since admitted that they were that they did not mean to put those coupons in GameStop copies, and they, they've acknowledged that they're in a way pushing GameStop's hand by forcing them to base it, to advertise for a competitor. Uh, right. So, so I kind of sympathize with with GameStop in this situation. I mean, I I think they've clumsily handled it. That's there's no doubt about that. You know that that memo uh, being splashed around, scans of that 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 looks bad for them. Everybody loves to hate GameStop. They need to tread carefully because of that. Um, but I I think they've got a point. Like if it, and and this is getting this is going to be an increasingly complex issue going forward. You, you know, should they then? Because they have their own streaming service, not sell Steam games. Uh, you, you know, where does the line get drawn? And I think in this particular instance, Square Enix has said, and even though, like you've kind of implied, maybe it's just Square Enix wanting to play nice because GameStop is such a powerful retailer, but Square Enix has said, you know what, we did kind of overstep our bounds. This was a mistake on our part. Um, What's well, interesting, you know, the the other part is is you know services like OnLive. Are super attractive for publishers, yep. based solely on the fact that they are. It's literally unpiratable, and yeah. there, you know, there, <laughs> there's no used market if they can transition people to to the using that kind of a service. So there's a lot of you know upside to them, you know, doing these kinds of promotions where you can might you know. It, you know, not quite the, the same as like bundling Steam with a game. This is, you know, it goes even further by literally like you get two copies of the game when you when you buy it this way. You know, there's there, no one says that you have to you have to use the online version yourself. So that's like if if I I really could buy it at games I, I could buy a PC version with this on live coupon, give the on live coupon to someone else, and they've got a full copy of Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah, I mean, it goes, to, it goes to the point that, like, you know, some of the GameStop employees who were supposed to be discarding these coupons were started selling them on eBay. Because it's a full copy of the game, basically. Yeah. You know what? It's kind of like Frozen Synapse. You could buy buy one copy of Frozen Synapse, you get a free one. It's kind of like they're doing that. Uh, Brad Grants, have you used OnLive? I have, actually. I was I was in the beta test room pretty early on. How, how did you find it? Did it work okay for you? Uh, I mean, it works surprisingly well. You know, it's the kind of the kind of technology that seems like it should not work even a little, and it yeah. works quite well. It, it really does, yeah. <laughs> so, what games have you guys played on on live? Jason S. McMaster, is there? Have you spent much time with any specific game, or did you just kind of sample it? 
I played some Red Faction Armageddon on it. Some, uh, I think, yeah, at E3, I played, uh, God, I want to say, like, split second or something like that. And that was surprisingly good uh, for, you know, just streaming. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Brad Grins, I noticed you said you were in the beta test. You did not say that you were a subscriber. No, I've never actually, you know, paid for the subscription service or bought any games on it. I, you know, I have a a computer that's hefty enough to to play all the games I want locally, uh, and the you know the the video quality, while you know it's okay, is you know nowhere near you know 1080p on my on my monitor rendered on my computer. So I, I, I guess the bottom line is that we aren't really the guys that on live is. Is for it's not for us really. We we have the good computers. We've got the good video cards. We don't necessarily need what on live is offering. I feel like definitely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jason McMaster, GameStop or Square Enix? Who do you vote for in this particular situation? Whose side are you on? I'm kind of on neither side. Uh, I Square Enix. Uh, yeah, you know, you probably shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, GameStop. Should have handled it like a business should handle it, which is maybe not open them and take stuff out, maybe speak with the publisher, hold it back, you know, something. I mean, surely they weren't shipping that many PC copies to GameStop anyway. I mean, <laughs> most people I would think that get their PC games don't really consider GameStop. I mean, it hardly has a PC section. You know, most people I know that buy them, buy them at like a Best Buy or something like that. So um, they should have held it back, had a discussion, you know, not pulled something out, resealed it, and tried to sell it as new. And I, I know it's it's well within their rights. Yeah, it's just kind of not a practice I'm fond of. I am constantly when I'm getting stuff at, at GameStop. I I hate how you know they're like, oh, this is our last copy. Do you want it? And it's you know they've got the disc in a drawer behind the counter, yeah. and I have to take the box off of the wall that's been pawed by twelve-year-olds eating chocolate. Uh, you know that's my GameStop experience. Uh, so I'm used to them opening stuff, uh, and what they'll do is they'll give me that copy and they'll put a little round clear sticker over the opening to show that I have violated the seal when I actually play it. Uh, yeah, I know. That's that's like the last little insult there. The yeah. End. Oh, well, no, the last insult is when they then ask me if I want to buy the strategy guide for this copy that they've had open and probably been playing in the back room. And uh, yeah. So. All right, so Jason S. McMaster, I know you will have more to say about GameStop shortly. We will stay tuned oh, yes. for that. Uh, so those are our news stories of the week. Moving on, Brad Grin, since you have absolute power, are we doing our games of the week or our posts of the week? Uh, let's go with post of the week. Mm, interesting. Now, how will you handle the order in which we do them? Is it is it going to be the same as last situation? Will you delegate? Yes. Let's 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 keep doing what we were doing before. Okay, huh. so McMaster, I think it falls to you. Who's going first? All right, I'll go first. Awesome. My post of the week is a post by Telefrog reviving a two-year-old thread about Kim Swift leaving Valve to point out that she's working on a game now, Quantum Conundrum, from Airtie Games. And it's kind of a weird, like, portly kind of seeming thing where you change, you know, different things into, or different rooms into, or you use a glove that has a, a battery that lets you switch dimensions. 
it's just kind of strange trying to, you know. I'm, I'm getting a, a, a Soul Reaver vibe. Yeah, no, uh, well, I, maybe. <laughs> well, there was, a, there, was a, there was a Legacy of Kane game, like one of those early dimension ship yeah. games, where in one dimension there's a ramp that lets you get to the second level. In the other dimension, you have no idea how to get up there, so you switch to the other dimension, you go up the ramp, you're at the second level. That's what you. That's what I think of when you're describing it. I don't know. That's probably not doing just to justice to Miss Swift's design. No, uh, it's a uh, it's a touch uh, friendlier than the Legacy of Kane, I believe, in overall okay. design. Okay. Um, but it's uh, well, just to say, armed with a glove that will let you shift dimensions, your first order of business is to place a glowing pink battery in a receptacle that lets you switch to the dimension that the battery represents. The explanation behind that is that there are dimensional rifts everywhere, and these batteries make those rifts bigger so that you're able to pull yourself into a parallel dimension. In this particular case, it was the fluffy dimension. What uh, <clears throat> what this does is transfer the entire room, including furniture, into oh-so-soft and light plush. The effect that dimensions have on paintings is hilarious. Throughout the game, there's a Looney Tunes-inspired safe that you'll use to hit swishes, but it's too heavy for you to pick up. When you swap to the fluffy dimension with a push of a key or trigger on consoles, it turns into a lovingly stitched plushie that you can playfully toss around. Some ledges or switches in the room can be just out of reach, and safe areas are, are, and safes are too heavy to move on their own, so by swapping dimensions, you can do some carefully planned redecorating and get to where you want. So, uh, It's kind of a... Like a puzzly portal kind of feeling game, but but more adorable. Right, exactly. See, that's what I was trying to get. It's like, uh, yeah, Legacy of Kane's a, a harsh. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember a lot of plushies in Legacy of Kane. No, no, no. God. Uh, so what you just read that was Telefrog's uh, description of yes. it. Yes. Uh, well, that was actually from I believe a GameSpot article. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was, in fact, from a GameSpot article. Now, what what strikes me about that, Jason S. McMaster, is that you don't often hear about someone leaving Valve. No. No. Once you, uh, you know, you try to get out, they just pull you back in. It's like that Tom Cruise movie where Wilford Brimley uh, is the bad guy. Spoiler, by the way. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But I, I, you know... I, obviously, Portal 2 was a, a collaboration between Kim and Eric Wolpaw. Like you could see, I, I mean, I think they were both equally responsible for what made not just Portal 2, but for what made the Portal games brilliant. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm excited to see Kim like doing her own game, but I, I have to wonder why would someone like that leave Valve? Like, doesn't that? I, I don't know. It just makes me wonder because, like I said, not something you hear very often. Seems like Valve gets people in, lets them do what they want, and, uh, and people are happy there. Yeah, it is a little strange, but I guess, you know, maybe the idea of doing something different was appealing. All right. Uh, Brad, are you on board with uh, dimension-shifting plushies? Yes, of course. And Brad, were you a Portal fan? Oh, very much so. Brad, can you imagine anyone answering that question in the negative? Just uh, Hitler. (laughs) Very good. You know who didn't like Portal? Very good. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, all right, so Quantum Conundrum? Yes. That's, that's, the, that's a terrible – I love the description, but that's a terrible name. Quantum yeah. Conundrum? Oh, yes. Yes, that's quite a uh, quite a tongue twister. 
Now, isn't uh, – so the acronym for this, because people don't want to say quantum conundrum every time, I'm assuming they're going to call it QC, but isn't QC like the corporate abbreviation for quality control as well? Or did I just make that up? Uh, I – it sounded convincing. <laughs> In that case, I'm going to go with that. And I'm going to say, not only is it a terrible name, but what a, what an unfortunate acronym as well. All right. Quantum Conundrum. Man. Oh, yeah. That does not say plushy to me. I don't... Uh, they, should I, just, they should just call it plushy dimensions. You know what, Brad? You are so right. I absolutely. I'm I'm with Brad on this. Brad, let's put you in charge of marketing this Quantum Conundrum thing. Plushy dimension sounds way better. Totally. Uh, uh, all right, so uh, Kim Swift's Quantum Conundrum. Uh, uh, Jason S. McMaster, what did you say the name of her new studio is? What's the developer's name? Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, it's uh, what, Airtight? Airtight, okay. Uh, yes. All right, well, that's cute. Uh, all right, and uh, as usual, Jason S. McMaster, I want to ask you one thing. When can we play Quantum Conundrum? <laughs> I... Uh... Let's see, we're looking at early 2012 on the PC via Steam, Xbox Live Arcade, and PlayStation Network. All right, good. Looking forward to it. Uh, my post of the week, I'm assuming I'm going next. Yes, Brad, well, we're delegating to Jason, so Jason, I'm, I'll go next or Brad? Oh, Brad's going next. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, oh, snap. What do you got for us for your post of the week? Uh, my post of the week comes from the uh, Earthquake in Maryland thread. Ah, yes. A uh, couple from... from this week we had a series of earthquakes, I guess, on the eastern seaboard. Like 5.9 on the Richter scale. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, somewhere on the uh, the second page of that thread, I think it was uh, it Reed posted a a picture of what he I think he said just said uh, pictures of the devastation are starting to roll in. No, it was delirium. That's who it was. And, uh, and he, he just posted a a photo of uh, some lawn furniture you know around a table with one of the one of these white plastic chairs toppled on its side oh the humanity <laughs> uh, the beauty of that picture Brad is that it looked so very new england that's the kind of that it, it was clearly devastation on the east coast and not the kind of devastation you see on the west coast it was just right. such a new england earthquake aftermath photo yeah that was yeah, lovely. I, we felt it uh, in cincinnati Wow, did you have any devastation? Do you have any devastation to share with us, Jason S. McMaster? Uh, I'm actually having some construction done on my office, and uh, I, I'm completely, like, plasticed in because they're building walls around where I work. And, uh, I mean, there's a door and everything. I do pay the bills. They're not trying <laughs> to kill me. But, um, like, uh, so they've plasticed me into this, like, multiple layers so they can, like <laughs> – they can do all the whatever and paint and everything and and so i start feeling this like weird shaking or and i'm like god what surely it's not somebody's like like messing with me i mean i'm completely encased in a plastic bubble i mean if someone has gotten in here i don't know what to happen i'm on the you know what happened i'm on the fourth floor so uh, i think um now i thought maybe i was having like a flashback or hallucination or something. And, uh, no, it was like my drink was shaking and everything, but it, it just kind of like was mildly disconcerting. You know, it wasn't really an earthquake. It was kind of a earth, eh, you know, <laughs> uh, Brad, I don't know if you feel the, the same way that I do, but I find it so, 
kind of quaint when somebody not from the West Coast describes their experience in an earthquake. I, I have this kind of uh, slightly condescending, oh, isn't that cute reaction. And that's how I felt about your story there, Jason S. McMaster. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I was at a, and I remembered that it was on Easter because I was at an Easter party kind of thing, uh, and we had just one of our little tumblers here, you know, just things shake, and it's actually kind of cool, like it's like a Disney ride almost, uh, sure. except except you're on the Earth. Uh, and somebody who had just moved to town a couple months ago actually got under the table in front of a whole party <laughs> of people here in L.A., and it was it was really quaint, it was cute. It's kind of like you telling your story, Jason S. McMaster. <laughs> oh, oh man. I don't I don't mean that to. It's not an it's not a slight. Uh, it's just I, 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 I didn't get under a table or anything. I just said it wasn't. It was mildly disconcerting. <laughs> that's fair. You know what? That's fair enough. You did. You did portray yourself as a hardened West Coaster, so I should give you credit for that. Well played. Good. Uh, well, it, it just wasn't scary. <laughs> I don't find them scary at all, but then I actually missed the really big earthquake we had here, and I have some people explain it. You know, I, I tell them, oh, you got to be in the earthquake. I'm jealous. I wished I'd been there. And they kind of say, you know what? No, it's not funny. I know you think you're you think it would have been amusing or entertaining to be here, but I woke up that morning and I thought I was going to die. You know, people who put it that way, and I immediately feel like an a-hole. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess that would that that would kind of suck to wake up and think you're going to die. I didn't really think of it in those terms. <laughs> you're such an ass. I know. I really am. I really am. What's that? It's funny. You, you know, in Oregon, we we we're more geologically stable than we have any right to be. So I've only, you know, I've only lived through, you know, felt one earthquake here back in I think '92. They called it the Spring Break Quake. It was like a one of those, one of those like, one of those like five point something <laughs> earthquakes that, uh, you know, kind of shook shook the bed early in the morning. I thought I dreamt it. That was that was it. I, I'm more terrified when a plane flies really low over over the house. Now, early in the morning. That, that you know, when that happens, I wake up and I think I'm gonna die. Now the the spring break quake, by the way, that that sounds like something. That sounds like a frat party. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were selling T-shirts at the airport, like the, the, or possibly the, the a fight <laughs> that like Don King set up. <laughs> I want to see you all down at the earthquake uh, shake. Very good, McMaster. That was uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, so that was the uh, uh, deliriums. Did you say it was deliriums post? I, yeah, I believe it was delirium who posted that photo. Now, Trigger Cut, uh, who I believe lives in Washington D.C., also posted a similar picture that I think he actually took himself. I got the impression that delirium's picture was from somewhere else online that he was linking to. Yeah, that, I think that was just a just a joke that Delirium did. You know, right. He's in Colorado or something like that. Ah, okay. But Trigger Cut, who's actually local, I think took his own picture. Yeah, I mean, he the same went out and did some, did some real research. Yeah, he did some real research, and I think it was damage that personally affected him. I got the impression that that was actually his lawn furniture set. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, so. It hits close right. to home sometimes. I know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, that's it for Brad's post of the week. My post of the week, uh, and, and I'm hoping this will set McMaster off. This might make McMaster very, very angry. Uh, okay, good. Not so much the post, McMaster, but where I'm going to go with this. So 
There's a, there's a thread that I love how this thread keeps bubbling up to the front page. This is a, this is one of those threads that will not die. Like, you know, you're browsing the front page. You're wanting to read about Deus Ex 3 or what? Not the front page, the, the, the top of the forum. You're wanting to read about Deus Ex 3 or maybe the Ascension Tournament or something. And then it's like, what the heck? There's an alpha protocol thread still? <laughs> oh, God. It's like, how old is this game? Why does the thread keep bubbling up? Uh, so I, I ducked into there because I like I, one of the cool things about Alpha Protocol is you can play through it once, maybe even twice, and still not appreciate the variety of ways that it can unfold. So reading about other people's experiences in Alpha Protocol can be really illuminating, especially when they start talking about the different story beats. Alpha mm-hmm. Protocol is kind of a – it's not a sophisticated or necessarily nuanced story. I really like <laughs> its approach, but w- what it does – is it, it lets the characters unfold and develop in different ways. You know, you play through and you're like, okay, this character is this kind of thing, and this is how he or she ends up at the end of the story. And it, it's, it's pretty simple stuff. However, when you look at how that character could turn out in different playthroughs, in different ways, playing a different role in relation to your character and the plot, uh, I, I can't help but admire the work that Obsidian did. So I love ducking into the Alpha Protocol thread. I love reading people talking about, like, Stephen Heck. Like, I had no idea the Stephen Heck ending that someone mentioned. I had no idea that was in there. So my post of the week is actually a response where uh, someone named uh, Marson, uh, who's been with us on the forum for a while, uh, this isn't the winning post, but Marson posted uh, something to the effect of he wished that he didn't have to deal with the boss fights so that he could go back and replay it to try different uh, stories because those are some cool choices in the game. So my post of the week is actually Equisilis. His response to Marson is, "Hey, just play on easy. You get the whole story without too much worry about combat situations." Hmm. So I read that and I think, "Well, yeah, of course, I should totally play through Alpha <laughs> Protocol on easy just to make some of the crazy story choices, just to explore some of these different options." Uh, and, and I kind of hate that Equisilis pointed that out. Because it's not like there's any shortage of games to play, but it never really occurred to me. I'm, I'm in the middle of a – I've sort of put aside a playthrough on, on the hardest difficulty level for the achievement. But I'm thinking now, you know what? Just tear through it on easy. The combat isn't that awful. I mean it's it's not great, but, you know, the fact that he oh, pointed this good. out. I, but I think it is like it's – it's very RPG in that it's so dependent on what skills you you choose and what equipment, like how you build your character. It's right. not a shooter. Like Deus Ex, and you'll talk about this in a minute, I presume, Jason, spoiler, uh, Deus Ex oh. has, has some great shooter <laughs> elements. Uh, it, it's not as bound or you're not as held back by the RPG system as you are in Alpha Protocol. Uh, Alpha Protocol is so true to its whole RPG scheme, sometimes to the detriment of gameplay, you could argue. Uh, but putting it on easy makes me think, yeah, I should just tear through that again. So the reason that's my post of the week is because it's made me think that Alpha Protocol might be better than Deus Ex 3. Ooh. So there you go, Jason S. McMaster. I'm going to throw that gauntlet down <laughs> as my uh, post of the week, and this might fold into your game of the week. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah, we might. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so assuming that we go with the normal Brad Grins uh, um, way of choosing who's going next, I believe it falls to Jason McMaster to decide who's going first with his game of the week. 
I will go first because it's only fair. Everybody else has gone first but me. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes, my game of the week is Deus Ex 3, and uh, I don't know how I feel about it yet, really. I, I just feel I need to talk about it. I feel now, I need some therapy. Real, so, real quick, uh, we're here to help you, Jason S. McMaster. Uh, let's just point out, Brad, you have not played it, but you did mention that you plan to play it, so we'll avoid spoilers. Right. If you're listening, we're going to be careful about spoiling anything. I have finished it. So, Jason S. McMaster, after the podcast, I will tell you how it ends. Excellent. <laughs> but if you're listening, you should be safe from spoilers. So, okay, so go ahead, take it away, uh, Jason S. McMaster. <clears throat> well, first I'd like to comment that you, you really kill me. You, you <laughs> Alpha Protocol is better than Deus Ex 3. Suck it. The man. You didn't like Deus Ex. <laughs> The one human being that didn't like this X <laughs> then brings it just it, it throws down Alpha Protocol on Deus X three. Oh my God, you're just you're creating this legacy. <laughs> let, let me just real quick. I just want a real quick disclaimer. I'm not saying Deus X is human evolution is bad. I quite enjoyed it, and there's some very cool stuff in it. But as far as a game design, I ultimately prefer Alpha Protocol. And its problems notwithstanding, I think it's a better game design, and I would rather play through Alpha Protocol a second time than Deus Ex 3 a second time. So there. So sorry. Just wanted to get that out there before. I'm sure I'm going to get enough guff, but I, I just needed to specify what I was saying there. Oh, classic. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've only actually had a chance to play uh, just the first couple of hours of Deus Ex 3, and I really like parts of the game but uh, uh there's just a couple of things that bug me I, I guess one is it has the problem where everybody's like doing the hand jive when they're talking or something <laughs> I, I don't understand it it's like everybody's like going choo-choo and chugging some arms or like you know throwing up gang signs i during the conversations i you know the same thing happened in in the the witcher uh before a few patches where some of the merchants would just be like getting down like with the electric slide or something while they're trying <laughs> to talk to you but um it's it's hard to concentrate on a, a conversation and a story when that when that's going on um other than that, uh, you know, I, I am enjoying the game, but it, it just doesn't seem as open-ended. But I'm also imagining that I probably haven't hit that part yet. So I will defer to, uh, that to you, Tom. Do, do you feel the game is open-ended, and uh, do you get like to roam? Do you get to explore? Uh, not really, and I think it's kind of not a game like that. In that, in that sense, it's more like alpha protocol in that you're, you're choosing branches rather than roaming or exploring uh the hub city stuff that you'll eventually get to i guess you're not at any of the major hubs yet uh there's oh, certainly no, no. there's certainly side quests and side missions um but i my, my big problem with deus ex 3 and the original deus ex is you know you mentioned that animation the people talking uh, how how it, it really looks sort of fake and canned and like I, I mean I, the the voice acting's kind of kind of crappy too. <laughs> You know what? I, I hate Adam Jensen, but the voice acting I really, really like, and I think it's such a bold choice, and I can imagine people hating it, and this is part of why I like it. David Seraph, who plays your boss uh, in, in the game, I really like 
the choices that voice actor makes. And he's sat, he has a weird sound to it. He's almost yes, got a sort of, he's got like this cheesy used car salesman thing going. But I, I think it's a brave, it's a much braver choice than the Clint Eastwood sound like they have for Adam Jensen. Uh, so there are a few things like that. There are a few really bright lights in Deus Ex Human Evolution like that that stand out. Um, I mean, you know, it's like, I don't even, I like the writing so far, but it's, it's so incredibly, like caddy it's it's just kind of bizarre well here's here's the problem i have with this game like when you want to do one of these choose your path through the world games anytime it dumps you into the real world it kind of breaks the immersion you know when you get shunted into a conversation or when you're walking through the streets of detroit and it's just pedestrians and there's no vehicle traffic because the engine can't really do it or when you go into a bar and uh, you know there's only like it just feels like trying to create the real world without a just cause type engine, uh, you know without that sort of Grand Theft Auto type engine that's really creating the real world, you are asking for trouble. You are asking for trouble if you want the player to get this sense of immersion in a way that you're not asking for trouble in a haunted house game like System Shock. Or, or even Dead Space. You know, when you put the player into a haunted yeah. house, that's one way you can do this, and it's much more effective. When you put the player into Montreal, Detroit, Shanghai, if your engine can't do that, maybe you should choose a different setting. And that's part of the, what I love about Alpha Protocol, is when you are in these cities, it's just some quick hub stuff. It's just quick. You're moving around your safe house. You're getting a few cutscenes, a few dialogues. And then when you go do the mission, it's a warehouse. It's a training base. You know, it's a combat set piece. Uh, right. So that's the problem that I had that problem with the original Deus Ex. And I, I think it's a problem in Deus Ex 3 for me personally. I understand that it won't bother some people, though. I, you know, I've long thought that, you know... <laughs> I think for me it was Assassin's Creed that kind of oh yes broke the RPG for me because you can't you know you can't play any of those Assassin's Creed games where you can go anywhere and the streets are just packed with people and then try and play you know Dragon Age two where you know this well, yeah. supposedly huge detailed city <laughs> is a series of small boxes with a few low res characters doing their electric side animations in a loop. Such, a, such an excellent point, and I'm so glad you specifically mentioned Assassin's Creed, because that really was a, a kind of a watershed moment for what happens when developers try to do these kind of games like Deus Ex and, and Bioware. Like it, that, that, that so made it difficult for me to enjoy Bioware games. You're absolutely right, Brad. Nice. Well, I think you're, and you think if you're right about, you know, Alpha Protocol just completely sidesteps the issue by you know using that mission structure where you know there's no roaming at all it doesn't even you know makes no no pretensions about that because you know you know kind of knows that that would be a compromise so it just says you know what you're not going to be wandering around the city you're you're spy you're supposed to be keeping you know keeping a low profile so you stay in your in your safe house until you're actually going to do a mission yeah and and while that is uh like I, I don't mean to make it a pissing match between Deus Ex and Alpha Protocol, but I do feel like Alpha Protocol enjoys the luxury of not being as ambitious as right. Deus Ex, uh, and therefore, for me, I feel it's more effective. 
So, uh, uh, Jason S. McMaster, what kind of character build are you going for? Because one of the things I do love about both Alpha Protocol and Deus Ex, but Deus Ex has a different kind of approach, is looking at that augmentation screen and this thinking, screen. here's what I'm going to do. And that, that actually was a close <laughs> second for my, uh, my post of the week. I wish I could remember who did this. I want to say Repo Man. I could be wrong. Apologies if that's not who started the thread. But somebody started a poll, you know, what augmentation build are you going for? And that's such an exciting part of Deus Ex when you first start playing the game and you look at that screen and there's this thrilling world of possibility. You know, which of these things am I going to buy? Which path am I going to take? Uh, so, Jason S. McMaster, what are you gravitating towards in your own personal Adam Jensen? You know, I I have, like... Uh, I, I had to go with the first power I bought doesn't match anything else I bought, but I had to choose to punch through walls. I just really <laughs> wanted that one. So like, I was like, oh my god, that's an option. Uh, I choose that. And um, then after that, I've actually been putting points in uh, all the hacking abilities. I, I I think I'm not sure I necessarily agree from my playthrough, but but I think a conven- the conventional wisdom at this point seems to be that that you really can't afford to neglect hacking. I kind of disagree, uh, but that does seem to be the conventional wisdom at this point, doesn't it? Well, I mean, I think it just makes sense if, like, just with the flow of the game from what I've played so far, it's like, I don't think hacking is going away. <laughs> right, right. But you know what? <laughs> but, but neither are stealth and combat, though, to be fair. No, I, I agree, and that's why I can punch through walls and stuff. <laughs> here's, here's the thing that bothered me, though, is I – because when I played through, that was kind of the approach I wanted to take. Like, I love that whole sneaky hacking aspect. Like, you feel like you're getting away with stuff. I love that, and you're you're exploiting yeah. systems. Like, I, I quite like that. But you put it's all these cool points – it's a great – yeah, and I love the hacking, uh, like, minigame, too. Like, that's such it's a tough thing to yeah. do. Yeah, I love how it's its own little system. It's like its own little combat system. I love that. However – you put all these points into hacking, and you get shunted into this freaking boss fight where you die a million times because you didn't emphasize your combat skills enough. I hate that. And Deus Ex does that a few times, and it just – my cat hates it too. I don't know if you can hear him. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I just – that drove me crazy on my playthrough because I was wanting to do a hacking guy, and I had to fight the big, huge uh, bullet sponge, and you can't hack him, so – no, no. Yeah, that's the thing is like uh, the first part of the game before you're like all cyber dude, yeah, I, just going through, I got killed way too many times. And maybe I'm just bad. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Do you mean the first part as in that little tutorial thing where you that little shooter mission early on? Yeah. McMaster, are you serious? Yeah, I'm not playing on easy. I mean, I was playing on normal. I was using cover and I just got a headshot repeatedly. Maybe I just have terrible luck. Maybe, uh, Master, have you ever played a shooter before? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no yeah, yeah, I've played quite a few, actually. <laughs> I, I don't know what was happening. I, it's just, oh, uh, God. All right, whatever. Wow, that just speaks volumes. Maybe you should stick to League of Legends. Maybe I should. I'm losing my edge. <laughs> Uh, so, Brad, what is it like? I know you, you mentioned this is something you plan on picking up in the future. You haven't been able to yet. You've got other things going. What is it like listening to us talk about Deus Ex Human Evolution and seeing thread after thread on the on the forum about it and not being able to play yet? Uh, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> it's like everybody like a nightmare. It's like everybody else gets Christmas and you are back in Labor Day. Exactly. <laughs> Ah, Labor Day. 
But uh, I presume you are excited about it, yeah? Like, you obviously, you liked Alpha Protocol, so this is something on your radar, yes? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you know about it? Have you been, like, on a blackout about it? Have you been reading things about it? No, I, I mean, I've been reading, and I've you know, seen some videos, you know, some of the stuff from that preview bill that got leaked. I've seen, you know, some of the, some of the footage from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I really like kind of the... The look of the world, the art design that they've gone for with the game, and uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I really like those kind, of, these kind of espionage RPG, cyberpunk things. So, uh, and it, they do a really good job. You mentioned the look of the world. Uh, I think they do a really good job making it sexy. It's a it's a very sexy game, and and it, and and that credit sequence, by the way, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, McMaster. Their credit yeah, sequence is fantastic. It is really cool, actually. Um, you know, and the, I don't know what it was. Uh, it it really does feel like a really cool feel to the world. There's no doubt. Uh, it's just maybe I think I just suck. I think that's <laughs> always possible. I think uh, that's possible. Yeah. I really am surprised that you would die in that opening bit. Like that—that that to me is just like, here's how you use cover. Now kill a bunch of bad guys, and then we're gonna put you into the real game. You know, I think the best uh, explanation for it is something that uh, Zarok brings up a good bit uh, to me, and that is that. When Half-Life 2 came out, we were talking after, you know, the weekend it was released, and he was like, man, I beat Half-Life 2. And it's like, how about you? And I was like, yeah, me too. And he's like, how long did it take you? It took me like 18 hours. I was like, yeah, I think it took me 10, 11 hours maybe. <laughs> that always blew his mind. And I guess the reason is, and it's something that drives Sarah completely crazy, which she says hello, by the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, it drives Sarah completely crazy. I, when I play a game, I, I don't explore very much. I have this real sense of urgency. Like I have to, I have to complete this mission. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of assholes out there, and they're causing some total problems in like Danger City or whatever. And I've got to punch them in the face. And that's just how I play games. I, I don't know. I totally get into the idea of the character. It, it drives me nuts in games when it's like, oh yeah, somebody's like raping my mom. But like, there's this quest I can go like collect a bunch of berries first and. And stuff like it's like who does that? Who's gonna like my mom's being raped? Why am I gonna stop and collect berries and turn them in for a little extra experience? It just doesn't make sense to me. So like I'm just totally like I just walk into people and stab them in the face until it's done. So maybe I just uh, maybe stealth games just aren't my thing. Maybe covers not my thing. You know what? That's a fair point because I do wish that there were games where when they said when, – when in your quest or in your backstory or the exposition or whatever, when they say hurry, they actually mean hurry. That, that's right. rarely the case. Yeah. It really bothers me because it completely throws me off. I, I have to just – I have to do it because I'm sitting there thinking about it, but it's just not – nobody puts that in games though. I mean maybe World of Warcraft here and there will have a timer, but other than that. Well, well you know what? Go ahead, Brad. Well, I thought I had uh, heard that in in de- in this day of sex game, like the it's the first mission you do once you've been augmented. You like get told to go to the chopper, but if you if you dick around in the building stealing stuff and tacking everyone's terminals for too long, by the time you you show up at the chopper, they'll tell you that the hostages are 
the hostages you were supposed to go save have all already been killed. Wow, look at you, Brad Grins. It seems like you do know a bit of, a thing or two about the game. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true because I was like, hostages, oh my god. <laughs> no, it, it, you know what? I, I think it was Stusser who actually put that in a spoiler tag saying, you know, he wished he'd known that there is, when they do tell you, you know what, we've got this first mission, you got to hurry, that if you take more than 20 minutes getting to the chopper, uh, that there, they will affect how the mission unfolds. So you're absolutely right, Brad. Uh, but still, 20 minutes, that's a lot of time. You right. know, like, like, uh, Jason S. McMaster's example, if your mother's being raped, you're gonna get there in fewer than 20 minutes. That's, that's. I mean, if you like your mom. I mean, if. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's, that is a good example of there's a, there's a time limit. It's under the hood. I don't think there's a timer countdown. Right, it doesn't warn you about it at all. Yeah, because if there's one thing I hate worse than being told to hurry without being given, without and knowing there's no reason to hurry, if there's one thing I hate more than that, it's a timer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know how game developers can win. I just also want to float the reason that I think I'm generally okay with this thing in games where they say, oh, hurry, 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 and then you collect berries. Uh, this is going to sound weird, but uh, I'm a big fan of opera and in opera people are always singing extended arias about how they have to hurry or they're going to die any minute or you know opera is all about this weird compressed time where even though you have to hurry you can stand there and sing on stage for for 10 minutes uh i think the best i think the best the best example of this kind of thing in games is mass effect 2 where you're supposed to be how Tom's Race, favorite. Racing around the galaxy, getting this team together to go stop some some horrible thing from happening. But uh, be sure to scrounge around every single planet you can find for, for all the minerals you might need along the way. There's just and, – And while you're at it, also be sure to help all your teammates with their family problems. Right. you gotta you got to lock that shit down. Yeah, take a detour to, to Alpha, Longaria, whatever, seven, these planets, and talk to someone's brother. You know what? Just, people have daddy issues that will not get resolved. You can't save the universe if, you're, if you've got father angst. Right. Absolutely. People, people will die if you don't address this electric complex. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for mentioning that because that gives me an opportunity to say uh, – you know what? What other game Alpha Protocol is better than Mass Effect Two? So. Oh God! <laughs> uh, all right. So what, what was that? That was uh, was that Jason McMaster's game of the week? So Deus Ex: yeah. uh, Human Revolution. You're playing, Brad. You will be playing. So uh, I I don't know. I started a second playthrough, and and then you know Equisilis's, uh post about Alpha Protocol on Easy. I think that might be something I'd, I'd I would do that before I would go through Deus Ex again. But Deus Ex, plenty it's a plenty fine game, and I'm sure you'll have a grand time, both of you. Oh, I, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to playing through it. In fact, the augmentations are just rad. It's a great system. Yep. It's uh, look forward to you know, and that's like makes the replay uh, value go pretty high. So I don't know. I can it, see me doing it twice. You know what it really does, and I, one of the things I like about the augmentation system is how it's not, uh, you, you know, it's just dumped in your lap. I mean, there's a lot of choice there, and I think that might be confusing to some players, but that's part of the beauty of it. Is you know what everything there's certainly a tree structure, but you can push in any direction at any given time. You're not going to be locked down into certain things. It's all there as soon as you want it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really like that too. It's you get to pretty much choose to do whatever you want from right from the beginning. 
Right. Brad Grimms, when you jump in, stealth, combat, or hacking, which will you lean towards? Ooh, it's hard to say. Don't tell me you haven't thought about this. No, I'll probably I'll probably do a lot of stealthy combat. You know what? That's the thing too. Is there's a whole you know mix and match. You exactly. don't have to just push one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, for some weird reason, I chose on my first mission to go, like, short-range, uh, non-lethal, and that's totally not my play style. I have no idea what I was thinking, so <laughs> I was just, like, running around trying to stun the hell out of everybody I saw, just like, ah, but uh, I managed it somehow. <laughs> uh, did, did, did you move the bodies? Oh, no. <laughs> they didn't have time. Trust me. There was no there was no patrols going on. It was like, I think I see someone. Oh, my God, I'm being stunned. <laughs> oh, my God, my face. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, by the way, I want you, Jason S. McMaster, I want you to pitch this as a game. I think this right here is the pitch. There's All a right. bunch of assholes out there, and they're causing total problems in Danger City. That's a game I want to see. I think that's a good game. I think that could be done. Uh, All right, who's next for Game of the Week? Um, I don't know. I'll leave that up to. I'll leave that up to you, Tom. I'll delegate to you. All right, I then will do my Game of the Week and save save Brad's for last. I'm curious what he's come up with. All Uh, right, my Game of the Week is. Something that I haven't, I didn't really know anything about. I haven't read about it. I am loving coming into it blind. So I kind of want to tell you, if you have any interest in playing this game, don't listen to me. Turn off the podcast. Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to tell you that. Instead, I'm just going to be kind of elliptical. Uh, I'll have a review up next week on uh, Game Shark for this game. Uh, and I can tell you right now that it will get uh, a very, it, I'll, I'm be giving this like the highest grade. I love what this game does. Um, and I wish I could kind of say more, but I feel like there are two separate conversations to have about this game. One with people who ha- – actually, three. One with people who are going to play it, and you're not going to say much. You're just going to hint at things. That's the conversation we're going to have now. One with people who are playing it, and I suspect that's the conversation that's going on in the thread about this game right now, which I have not read because there's a third conversation to have about this game that I'm not ready to have and that I don't want to hear yet, and that's a conversation with people who have finished it. Oh, Lord. So if you finish the game because it goes through these kind of paradigm shifts as you're playing it, and that's part of the appeal is how it changes as you go. Uh, Now, the game is, it has a terrible title, the game is called Space Pirates and Zombies. I knew that was what you were going to say. Oh, how did you know? Uh, I've seen you playing it recently. <laughs> oh, you know what you have? That's You've right. been trying to get some steamies. <laughs> uh, because, well, I, I, I would log on and see a message from you, and uh, it would only be after you have left it. Uh, and I didn't realize... So, like, I, because I'm away from the computer, I've got it. I've, I'm letting it run to mine or for me, and just manual oh. to automatically do it. Yeah. And then I come back, and there's messages. So, yes, that's that's right. You have seen me playing it. Um, but so uh, the the thing that it does that I really like is it changes up the gameplay at certain points. And I don't want to give anything away, but you can imagine from the title that zombies get folded into the mix. But oh, that, it's a, it's a long time before that happens. 
uh, I don't want this to sound like a negative. It's actually a, an overall positive. But I was playing this for 20 hours before I came across a zombie. And that's kind of a cool thing to do is to play your cards close to your chest. I wish I wish more games would do that. Um, so uh, at its heart, it's basically a kind of an elite game but with a top-down view where you you get ships, you fly around. As far as the, the look and the feel of it, it's very, very star control in that the different ships all have a lot of personality. They feel different. The game is beautiful about encouraging you to try different ships. It's not like a normal elite game where you pick your ship, you upgrade it, you improve it, and that's what you're flying the whole game. Instead, you are you basically are a command ship, and you've got all these other ships at your disposal that you can build and, and re-rig, and you know there's no cost penalty to do that. If you get a cheaper ship, you get the money refunded. Uh, to get a more expensive ship, that's fine. You're just tying up those funds for the time that you're playing that ship. Um, but uh, so the uh, and then what happens is you're playing this kind of Star Control two game for a while, and it starts folding in new mechanics and new kinds of gameplay. And when the zombies finally arrive, it does this cool little shift. And I think I'm not sure there's at least a second shift later in the game. Uh, so and I love how it creates this sense of as a, a galactic zombie apocalypse. It, you know, when you jump into Dead Rising, the apocalypse has already happened, basically, and you're just mopping up. You're there in the aftermath. But the way you get to watch it unfold in Space Pirates and Zombies uh, is really something special that I wish more games would do. Uh, as far as a space trading game, I love the way the economy works. Normally in a space trading game, it's like electronics like this system, you get... 10 credits, but if you bring in ore, you get 12 credits. So, of course, you're going to carry in ore instead of electronics, and sometimes it has a more spacey flavor, like you're bringing space drugs or alien slaves or stuff like that, but it all comes down to where the bottom line is the credits. Space Pirates and Zombies does no such thing. The economy there is tied so completely into the combat, the exploration, the leveling up progression, uh, it, the, the trading is gameplay and not simply a matter of getting the most credits. Um, it's a beautiful game. I think it was created by a, a small developer that consists of two dudes. I, I imagine they contracted out some of the artwork, but it looks fantastic. It sounds great. Um, and uh, I just can't stop playing the silly thing. So there you go. That's the conversation that you have before you play it. Uh, and anybody who is playing it or who has finished it, I will have those conversations with them later. But that's what I want to put out there uh, right now. Yeah, I'm looking at your steamies here. And, uh, how am I doing? <laughs> You're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. You have 27 of 45. That's 60% of the steamies. Sweet. You know what? I do look at those. Like I, I look at those and think, well, I have to now destroy this level of space station, which I would never do if it weren't a steam achievement. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, tier three UTA base. Yeah. Right. I haven't done that yet. I, I need to get around to that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you've you've killed eleven thousand, or you've collected eleven thousand five hundred twelve goons, aka slaves. Right. Oh my God, you horrible person. I know it. Well, you know what? I just think of them as crew members. They're they're. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a lot of crew members, and they actually are. So they are crew members. I mean, that's the thing: is they're slaves slash crew members slash currency slash repair points. I mean, it, it's a it's a really cool system. Uh, if you like if you like space combat games, and even if you don't, if you just like this kind of 
It's very open world exploring. It creates a random galaxy. If you just like exploring a random galaxy that has specific beats as the galaxy progresses, I cannot recommend this game enough. Uh, Brad Grimms, have you played Space Pirates and Zombies? And if not, why not? I have not. I have the demo downloaded. I just haven't uh, haven't dipped into it yet. Okay. Now it's a, it's a tough game to demo because of some of the things I was saying. Is that it, it really does? It has a great leveling up system too. That's similar to Deus Ex actually, in that you've got all these systems. You know, you've got beams, you've got cannons, you've got drones, which are like fighters. You've got mines, you've got bombs, you've got your shields, you've got your armor, you've you got little subsystems, and and you pick which one of those you want to upgrade. And the upgrades get more expensive as you drill deeper into a specific branch. So, do you go for a general approach for multiple ships? Do you focus on one thing for your one favorite ship? Uh, I love the way that it, it models this kind of advancing technology. Uh, and that's the thing that you can't really see in, in a demo. Uh, it's one of those games that kind of, in a way, like Bastion, doesn't reveal itself until you've played it over the long haul. Uh, so, all right, that is my game for the week. Uh, it will be getting an A next week on uh, Game Shark, so uh, I highly recommend it. And now over to you. Brad Grins will save the best for last. What... Is your game of the week, and why isn't it Alpha Protocol? Well, I haven't, you know, played Alpha Protocol recently, so it didn't Good seem point. right to choose that. Fair enough. As my game of the week, uh, I've, you know, what I have been playing recently, uh, I've had to nix Star Wars: The Old Republic because I'm not allowed to talk about that yet. Oh, you just made Jason McMaster even angrier than when I told him Alpha Protocol was better than Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yes, I like, I'm enjoying dangling my beta access in front of Jason. <laughs> yes, yes. Tell us at least your character's name. What name do you, cho- what name does Brad Grins choose for his Star Wars The Old Republic character? Uh, my, uh, my Republic trooper is named Grenzaj. Oh. Grenz with an AJ at the end to make it Star Warsy. Very nice. Lucas would be proud. <laughs> it sounds like something you have to pay extra for. <laughs> but uh, you can get it on the side. Oh. <laughs> All right, but that's interestingly enough not your game of the week, huh? No. Uh, the, you know, the other thing I've been playing a lot of this week is uh, the Resistance 3 multiplayer beta, actually. Um, I'm a PlayStation Plus member and uh, a recent owner of a PlayStation 3, which uh-huh. is convenient. Uh, and uh, and they, they just uh, opened that up to all the PlayStation Plus members on Tuesday. So uh, I spent uh, you know, a few hours the last couple of nights playing that. Just, you know, just try, you know, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I feel about it, though. Now, do you feel strongly enough about it that it is your game of the week? No, I'm not. I'm not sure I do. I, there, it's you know, it's it's you know, I haven't played the previous games, but I understand the kind of it, they've kind of Call of Dutyed it with the uh, with the level progression and uh, loadouts and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I'm not an avid online multiplayer shooter kind of guy, so I'm not necessarily qualified to. Say whether Resistance Three is a good example or a bad example of that kind of gameplay. Mm-hmm. One thing I, you know, I did really kind of like about it is that the the kind of visual look that they've that they've given it with the the kind of the, the lighting quality and the 
and the textures gives it that. I mean, have you heard of uh, tilt shift photography? I think it's called. Absolutely. Where where you take a picture of something real and it kind of looks like a like a toy model or miniature. I think the 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 Resistance Three graphics engine kind of gives it that kind of tilt shift look that's really appealing to me. Now see, that makes it sound like. Like uh, that seems like it would be a terrible choice to make in a shooter, like where you're trying to create a sense of verisimilitude, and instead everything looks like a toy. But but you think it works, like this this. Aesthetic. Well, I think it works a lot better than like uh, you know I did play like the, the a little bit of the first Resistance game, and as far as like gray brown shooters, that was the gray brownest <laughs> of all the shooters ever created in the history of mankind. Yes. So it, it's at least a nice departure from that. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, like based on some of the marketing materials that they've given, it's like they're kind of cultivating this almost like nostalgic, idealized image. Well, it is. World. Yeah, it's set in the 50s, in an alternate history 50s. So they're going right. for this. You know, I love, Brad, that you referred to it as they've Call of duty it up, uh, which is kind of something they've been doing all along without necessarily the Call of Duty, that perk system, but with combining Call of Duty with Halo Aliens with a 50s setting. Like, yeah. that's kind of been their mandate. Uh, so uh, yeah, so so you like the visual look? Can you? Is there anything in the actual multiplayer gameplay that's grabbing you? Like, is there any unique twist or anything you're digging? I mean, not especially. You know, you you have to level up to gain access to the different classes. You know, you start out with the basic assault rifle guy with a with a grenade. One, the, one thing that's kind of annoying is you only get one grenade and you only get one. You know, one. Uh, uh, one round for your for the you know the grenade launcher on your on your gun. So if you're used to like spamming that in in battlefield or whatever, you can't do that because you you get one chance at it and then and I have a, out of ammo. I have a tip for you, Brad. Uh, get killed a lot. I've been I've been really farming that. <laughs> okay, because every time you spawn, guess what? You get that grenade back. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, or don't miss. But the other bummer is, you know, you only start with the one gun, and but if you pick up another one on the battlefield, that'll be gone when you die. Ah, right, right. So it's uh, kind of a Sophie's Choice there. <laughs> uh, now, uh, so, but this also is not your game of the week. No, I think by ah. default, I have to, I have to go with uh, Final Fantasy Tactics: War of the Lions on the PSP, which is, uh, you know, the the PSP remake of the original PlayStation yeah. One game. Which is probably my favorite game of all time, and uh, you know I started playing it. You know the the other week they released the iPad, iPod, iPhone version, right? And so right. there was kind of a lot of coverage of that in recent weeks, and that made me want to to go back and and play it. And I've got it on the PSP, which is uh, by all accounts superior to the to the ios version so i've been digging into that a lot i i don't really understand why square charges like seven thousand dollars for their ipod apps <laughs> it's a little it's a little ridiculous in a market that's like everything's like a buck or two bucks square is like here it's like 75 dollars i mean it's of course not but uh, is it is it double digits like do they six, do they break the nine ninety dollars it's, it's six holy cow yeah. whoa 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 hold the presses it is double digits there is a game oh, on the iphone that costs freaking 16 dollars and you can thank square 
No, no, no. I don't believe you guys for a second. You guys are both punking me. Where's the camera? Where's Ashton Kutcher? There is no way there's a freaking game on the iPhone that costs sixteen dollars. Oh, well, yeah. the funny thing is that you can get the the War of the Lions on the you know PlayStation Store for the PSP for nine ninety nine. So, it's, whoa, 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 wait, wait! You guys are both blowing my mind here. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not sixteen dollars for real. This was like some collector's edition, right? No. No, no, that's honest to God. That's the app's cost. And then you could buy, but the original one that you get on the Sony store for your PSP is is at the ten dollar price point. But sixteen freaking dollars on the iPhone. Yep. This who do I I I need to alert the media. Is anyone here working the media? No. Anyone? No. None of us. (laughs) That's insane to me. Now, am I obviously? Everyone else thinks this is insane, right? Like, aren't aren't people into Final Fantasy up in arms? Good well, people think it's people think it's pricey, but it's also like a super good game. So if you haven't got any other way to play it, you know you can you can you can kill 150 hours in it easily. Man, well, so you're playing. This is the you're playing on your PSP, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are probably one of maybe two people in America who can say that right now. Yep, they're playing something on the PSP. I will be able to join you guys next week because of a little game called Cladden 2 that is coming out. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Uh, Cladden 1 was so precious. I love that little thing. So Cladden 2 next week. So, Brad, I will also have my PSP out, and I, you and I can march in solidarity as proud PSP players. Uh, so you you have obviously played this game. You're, there's a little nostalgia thing going, right? Like you're just Definitely. kind of re-enjoying a game that you're familiar with. It's this kind of comfort food gaming, right? Yep. And uh, tell us about this playthrough. Like, will you go through the whole story? Or are you just sort of sampling it? Is this just biding your time? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, in the past, I've kind of, like, tried to – I guess I had, like, a, this little cheat sheet that came in a magazine that told me, like, how many levels of what class I needed to to get to, you know, the, the different classes that I wanted my guys to be at because it's all, you know, based on the – the Final Fantasy job system. So you, you start as either a squire or a chemist and you gain levels and abilities and then eventually you can be a knight or a mage or of, of one or type or another. Meth dealer. Right. And, uh, it, that's <laughs> not one of the classes. That's Breaking Bad that you're thinking that, of. That doesn't go, that doesn't come from chemist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about chemists is they can use guns. And oh they can God. also throw their potions, which is super handy. But uh, but this time I've kind of you know, I've kind of taken a like a, a max everyone out approach. So I'm I'm working with the same like five core units, and I'm I'm maxing out the the, the each job and getting all the abilities before I move on. So it's kind of a everyone's going to be a superhero by the end. Now, Brad, you did for us a uh, – it wasn't a tactics game, but you did a Final Fantasy game. Uh, you did a, a, a series of game diaries for us for one of the Final Fantasies, right? Like was it right. – was it seven? No, it wasn't seven. It was like four. I, four. Okay, they, all, four. they all run together for me, and I know they have different <laughs> numbers based on whether it's Japan or the U.S., whatever. But uh, So you are a, a bona fide like Final Fantasy hardcore fan, right? Yeah, from way back. Now, how, though, would this game work for someone who's not necessarily a Final Fantasy fan, but dug XCOM and really likes tactics games? Uh, as yeah, far as it, those tactics games, how does it hold up? It's it's yeah. really one of the best examples, I think, of a console. Yeah, it's really good. Game. <sighs> Don't tell me that. You, but you didn't play, uh, did you play the Game Boy one, the Game Boy Advance one? 
Final Fantasy I, I've never, I've never played a Final Fantasy Tactics, I don't think. Wow. No, they're really good. They're super good. Yeah, the yeah. Ogre, but those final, there's those Ogre. You've played Disgaea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Disgaea, but that's what so it's, that's what I'm it's asking. The, it's, it's the same type of game. It's right. Exactly. So it's, but is there any reason for a guy like me who loved Disgaea, is there anything that this offers unique from something like Disgaea, where a guy like me should really consider visiting this Final Fantasy Tactics thing? It's, it's, the, it's the job system, I think, is the, the biggest difference. You know, Disgaea was crazy and had all the, you know, you're picking people up and throwing them and... And the yeah. different colored tiles and things like that, and and you know, Final Fantasy Tactics is a lot more stripped down in the in the combat. It's it's all about not wasting turns. You know, you you only get experience and and job points they call them to use you know, to, to buy abilities if you actually successfully do something with each person in, in each turn. So you know, it's all about efficiency and and maximizing your you know your use of each turn to to do something positive and to get that experience and that and, sounds uh, like a, that sounds like a strategy gamer's dream right there that's the stuff that strategy gamers like yeah all right so uh, game of the week is a, a very ancient final fantasy what, what's it actually called brad what's uh, the, the psp thing? version is final fantasy tactics war of the lions and that that's the kind of up-resed yeah. PSP new translation. That the original translation was atrocious. <laughs> so yeah, the first uh, uh, the first game was on PlayStation, and yeah. then they came with a uh, Tactics Advance for Game Boy Advance, which was really good as well. And it had the whole the job system and everything. And you know, both of those games allow you to move around a map and choose different branches to go down, as well as replay battles. Uh, and do the whole thing. You can totally min-max your characters. Um, right. it's, it's, and what's the name of the one on the iPhone? Is it also War of the Lions? I want to say yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's not sixteen bucks. You guys, rem- the decimal point screwed up. It's dollar. No, you're 16. wrong. I'm sorry. It's fifteen ninety-nine. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. All right. Okay. Well, I, I've I've got something new to to be up in arms about now that I'm over the Age of Empires thing. I'm going to go on a crusade against this uh, Final Fantasy Tactics overpricing on the iPhone. <laughs> it's just yeah. not Square as weak. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guys. Uh, all right, so there we go. That's our uh, games of the week, our news stories of the week, and our uh, posts of the week. Uh, coming up next week, we can look forward to, uh, let's see, what do we have to plug? I've got my Space Pirates and Zombies review coming out. Uh, McMaster, what are you working on these days? Anything fun? I just received a copy of Disguise 4. I'm going to check that out. And I'm waiting on a copy of Dead Island, which should be here soon. So there's a couple of things I'm working on. And I am working on an article about GameStop, just uh, kind of my opinion. What makes you more angry, that Final Fantasy Tactics is $16 on the iPhone or that GameStop is a bunch of jerks? I think GameStop wins. All right, good. Brad, what do you got coming up? I know you do have... Your eye on a copy of Deus Ex: Human Revolution, and yep. it sounds like you're plenty. Your hands are plenty full with this War of the Lions thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to? I'm trying to trying to think. I I, I think probably with the na- next paycheck, I'm also going to pick up Bastion, which uh, I've been really excited to play. Well, all I can say is I'm very disappointed that you haven't played it yet. Yeah, me too. Will you play Bastion on your 360 or on your PC? I think I'll probably do it on my 360. 
I have to say that's a wise choice. I agree. Uh, by the way, Brad, you're you're on the Pinball FX2 leaderboards, aren't you? No. You're not? I'm not. Seem to recall. Well, in that case, my super score is higher than yours. What do you think of yes, that? Yes, I know. That's <laughs> just as I planned. Uh, and I bet, see, I bet against myself, so I I won. Speaking of those guys, they have a they have like a post mortem, I believe, of uh, FX2 on Gamma Sutra. Oh, like uh, where they speak frankly about what went wrong, what went right, that kind of thing. I think so. I believe I saw that. Yeah, feature Microsoft. Oh, yeah. There's a. Zen Studio, yeah, Zen Studio's postmortem for Pinball FX2, yeah. Well, so I'm guessing that under what went right, almost everything. Under what went wrong, that they haven't put out Paranormal, which is this really cool table only on the PS3, that they freaking put that thing out yet for the 360. I want Paranormal. Yeah, I really want that too. Um, Kind of disappointed because I want to destroy you. Destroy you. You already are. You're destroying me just fine. I, so I sat down <laughs> last night thinking, Dad, going to have to catch up on McMaster's freaking super score, which, by the way, you have gotten Sarah, your wife, to help you. It's basically like I'm taking on two people. It's like when you sit down and you play an RTS and it's three-player, but it's not three-player. It's 2v1 because two of the other players gang up on you, so there's no way you can win. That's totally what's going on with your super score. I know you and Sarah have been like tag-teaming the high scores on the different tables. So I sat down last night, and I freaking beat my, hall, my head against the stupid Bullwinkle table. <laughs> So that was mine. That was absolutely mine. Okay, well, then I tried the stupid Rome table because I thought, well, I've got a low high score there. Obviously, it's a high-scoring table. I'll spend some time here. I couldn't get over freaking $7 million on stupid Rome. Uh, and you've still got like a my – my super score is like 302. Yours is 402. Like you've got a freaking 100 points on me on the super score. And that's even after I played the press copy of Misplosion Man. To get, oh. like, 20 million points on that, so that gives me 20 points on my super score. Uh, it's just really – you're demoralizing me, yeah, McMaster. When does, when does Miss Explosion Man come out? I'm guessing, I mean, the bald pinball table, that is. Uh, I'm guessing <laughs> next week, and I don't, I don't like the table. It's, it's basically uh, – I would say it's shrill, pink, and busy, and those are not oh. things that I look for in a pinball table. Uh, <laughs> you know, I uh, I don't care. All I see is points, just uh, points, delicious, well, delicious points. It's going like to have to start doping, Tom, if you really want to. You know what? If that's what it takes, I will do that. I I will. Do, do you know? Can you refer me to a chemist, Brad? It's just black market riddling on the on the way. And... I've got to do something because Dad Gummit, four hundred and two. <laughs> that's that's absurd. I, I, You've got yes. to stop. You've got to stop your wife from playing first of all, McMaster, so that I know who my opponent is. I can't have Sarah, any of this like handing Sarah, off. Tom says you can't play anymore. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Put put Sarah on. Hang on, uh, Tom wants you to hang on. Here she is. Hi, Tom. Hi, Sarah. First of all, say hello to Brad Grins. Brad, Sarah, Sarah, Brad. Hi, Brad. Hello. So, second of all, what's you're you're not supposed to be helping your husband super score <laughs> on on pinball FX two. I hope you know that's unethical. It's unethical. Well, then tell him I, he needs to buy me my own Xbox so ah. that I can get my own scores on my own profile. Okay, you can bet I will be on that. Okay, now, what I want to know though, which are the tables in pinball FX that are the ones that you're really good at, so that I can basically discount the score as not being part of your husband's. 
I dare you to try to beat me at the, uh, what is it, Secrets of the Deep? Oh, the but I love water. that. That's one of my favorite tables, too. Oh, your- I, I, I have a connection with that table. Do you know, by the way, when uh, the voice in Secrets of the Deep is talking, do you know what that voice is, like who that is? It is a shark. Isn't that adorable? Like, you see That's- his little mouth moving? It took me so long to realize that, and then when I did, I was like, oh... You yeah. know, and I keep expecting him to say, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> Very <good. laughs> Now, uh, so do you know roughly what your high score is? Because I think I've got like a 29 million, and it took me freaking forever to get there. I think I'm around 47 or 49 million. All right, I got to go because I got my work cut out for me. I've got to get busy. Uh, all right, yes, well, you did, sir. well played, Sarah. I will be, uh, you can bet I'll be gloating about that. As soon as it, I beat it, it might not be until 2013, but it will happen. <laughs> I look forward to the day. All right, we'll put, we'll put Mr. McMaster back on. Good to talk to you. You got it. Good to talk to you, too. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm basically, for all intents and purposes, McMaster, your, your super score should only be like 350, not 400. Yeah, well, <laughs> well. I'm not going to say how much that is mine. I can claim how much is Sarah's. So, see, Brad, you can get in on, like, this trash talking and this competitiveness if you ever pick up Pinball FX2. I know you got your hands full, but I, I see you on my friends list, and I just think, you know, your name should be on the Pinball FX2 leaderboards as well. I'll definitely try. All right. Uh, all right, so uh, Jason S. McMaster, what format will we be doing next week? Well, we will be wangoing Zitango with our games of the week, posts of the week, and news of the week. Great. Good. And, Brad, thank you very much for hanging out with us today. It was cool to have you. Uh, good luck with Final Fantasy, and uh, let us know what you think of Deus Ex when you start playing it. Oh, sure. Great to be on, guys. All right. So uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Jason S. McMaster. The S stands for Switzerland. And yes. We have had with us Brad Grins, uh, and thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Goodbye. Booyah. I feel like this music sounds like something that would be like a cheesy TV show about video games. Heck yeah. Seems uh, like a, no, like I don't mean montage. that like it's a good thing. Well, I mean, you know what it, it, it's a, what it is, Brad? It's like a remix of songs by Bush. Uh, and I, ha- <laughs> I always hate, like since the Bush administration, I hate pointing out that I really like Bush the band because you have to clarify... You know, I like Bush. You have to clarify you're not talking about the president. You mean the band. The uh, so this guys. is a remix of a Bush song. Exactly, the Glycerine guys. Or if you think, like I do, that that Gavin Rossdale fella is really dreamy, you might appreciate him in Constantine, where he plays a demon who fights Keanu oh, Reeves. Oh, very, whoa, is that really his name? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that what he's called? Oh, my God, look at you. You're a Constantine nerd. I am. Is it the movie yeah. or is this the comic no, I, I've read some of the comics, but I re- did really like the movie. I like the hey, comics. Awesome. I just never saw the movie. Okay, I'm, I'm only high-fiving grins. You don't get in on the <laughs> high-fives here, uh, McMaster. Uh, oh, I'm a purist. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you are. You're like, oh, he has to be blonde in English. Oh, there I don't go. like the movie. Keanu Reeves is no John Constantine. Wah, wah, wah. Nope. That's my f- greatest role. Wait a minute. Oh, my God, that's right. He's the sidekick. <laughs>
<laughs> How could I have forgotten that? And and of course Tilda Swinton and Peter uh, Peter Stormari at the end. You know, I love oh, that I'm guy. so glad. I'm so glad I thought you do not because you're like oh Con- John Constantine has to be blind in English. No, I know yeah. him as the nihilist. <laughs> uh, I think uh, well, are they anarchists or nihilists? They're nihilists. You know what? I think you're right. You you just out Lebowski'd me. Well played. I Pastor. did. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, these men are nihilists. Uh, there's nothing to be afraid of, Donnie. <laughs> Very good. At least, what was the thing? About, at least it's an ethos. What was the thing about? You know what? I, I shouldn't. <laughs> Say what you will about national socialism. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> Thank you, McMaster. Thank you, McMaster. You would make a hell of a Walter Soap check, by the way. Thank you. I've actually tried to go with him for Halloween on occasion. I never can grow the the beard though; it bugs me too much. <laughs> uh, I did watch so speaking of cheesy music for video game tv shows i watched one of these and i don't want to say what it is i don't want to uh, hurt anybody's feelings but i watched a video of one of these like video game talk show things where they have on pundits uh the host uh a fellow who most people know he was dressed well enough he was clean cut and then they had a consultant on who was in a suit but they had a couple of like games journalists on who couldn't be bothered to like shave or cut their hair or put on a, a decent pair of shoes or slacks. I was like, God, this is this is what our industry is. I was just so, uh, like, I, I don't know, stupid ga- video games journalism. I'm going to go post in the video games journalism has sunk thread about, about this. Uh, all right, so there we go. Uh, anyway, good work, grins on the Constantine connection. No problem. 